Welcome into episode 92, Gump Runners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell here with you tonight. Um, gonna be gonna be us three. It might end up being me and Lester. J Law might be in and out. He uh his daughter's has a fever. And if you have kids, man, especially small kids, you know, once once they get fever, it's just pretty much over with. They get so down in the dumps and they don't know what's going on. They just know they feel bad and there's nothing really you can do about it. It's one of the most frustrating things that can happen as a parent is, is watching your, your young kids get sick. Um, and, uh, and so J law, if he has to, to zip out of here, then that's fine. And I'll let y'all know if that happens, but, uh, till then we're going to, we're going to get it rolling here. Alabama coming off of a 40 to 17 win. Um, Jalen Milrow's first start over in Startful, Mississippi. Um, not, not a big stadium, you know, what 60, 65,000, something like that. But once they get once you get the cowbells going, it can get it, it can rattle you pretty easy. And that was one thing that I was worried about last week. How was Jalen Milrow going to prepare or going to going to play on the on a, on the road in his first road start? Was he going to get rattled by the cowbells? I didn't think Mississippi State could do a lot um, with their play to rattle him. It was going to be more from the crowd noise. Um, let's go ahead and assess his play first. J Law just. General opinion, how do you think Jalen Milrow played? Do you think he progressed any of this game? I think he certainly progressed. I mean, when he actually threw the ball, he did well. I think we're all going to be pretty much the same on this. But uh, tell me what you thought of Jalen Milrow's play on his first road road start over in Starkville. Yeah, listen, man, I thought he played well. I thought he did what the offense was asking him to do. Um, I thought that he made it to the third read after I watched it back. I mean, at least on nine or – probably seven or eight of his dropbacks. I mean, so, you know, but a lot of the a lot of the same problems that I have with Jalen Milrow were kind of still there. He he refuses to throw the ball away. So first drive, you got a what was it first and ten or it was second and ten, whatever. Yeah. And he takes first, a six yeah. yard takes a six yard loss for no reason. Those are the the just the little things that you cannot have this week or in two weeks after that against Tennessee where Man, if you're out of the pocket, nobody's home. It's going to happen. Dude, just throw the ball away. Live to fight another down. We'd love to see more of that. He continuously rolls into pressure or leaves the pocket a little too early. I thought both sacks in the, on the first drive were kind of his fault. I've never seen a mobile quarterback get taken down in one-on-ones behind the line of scrimmage as much as Jalen Milrow. Like, I just think back to Nick Marshall, Johnny Manziel, like, that first guy never gets you, and he seems to always get Milrow in the backfield. Yeah, especially, so, especially in space. Yeah, I mean, that first guy, he had him mano a mano and just let him get him. And so, you know, I, but I thought that he played well. I thought he managed the game. I thought the offensive line failed him a few times. I thought, I thought Seth McLaughlin failed him for three quarters, um, snapping the football. There's a couple of times I was sitting there with my dad, and we're just looking at it like – and what do you want this guy to do? Like you're forcing Milrow to take his eyes off the defense pre-snap because the football is at his or below his waist, sometimes below his knees, and a couple times skipped to him. So if that's what if it's hard for me to think that Milrow is going to be in a great rhythm when the the center is consistently not giving him the ball where it needs to be. But overall, man, I thought Milrow played great, played well within the offense. There's still a lot of things that I'd love this offense to look like that is clearly hasn't looked like yet. And um, 
maybe Tommy Reese doesn't have a bag because I always believe Bill O'Brien did and it never came out. So maybe he doesn't have one, but man, I, I'm proud of Milrow. I think he's getting better. And like, what more can you ask of him? He's a first year starter. He's a limited passer and he's gotten better at the things that he was struggling with, at least over the last couple of weeks, intermediate passing game, short passing game. And outside of one boneheaded decision against Miss uh, Ole Miss, I thought he's been making pretty good decisions too. So what he struggled with against Texas in his first, second real big start of his career, those things look like they've gotten a little better. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I didn't think it was bad for his first road start. Um, I do think, like you said, it's still obvious that he doesn't have the intangibles to play quarterback at a high level. It's not his throwing because I, I think when he has time and when he can actually throw the ball versus man coverage, he's not having to read his own. I think he's an above average guy. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's above average. I don't think he's, I wouldn't put him in the average category at all. I would put him above that. Um, it, it's the other things that to me are foreseeable issues. You know, it's stuff like holding the ball too long in the pocket. Um, it's almost like he was so one read, one read, one read against Texas. Then that one ball against Ole Miss against Mississippi state, they were running a lot of zone at him and, he can do it against Mississippi State because it's Mississippi State, but he was getting down to his third or fourth read, and in reality, we don't need that. Go to your first read. Go to your second. If if they're not there, pull the ball down and get what you can, and I think that would be the best way to, to coach him in all of this because, um, you know, two fumbles last year against Texas A&M because he was holding on to the ball too long. Um, like J-Law said, not knowing to throw the ball away, instead of taking a sack right by the boundary or just running out of bounds, which counts as a sack as well. He's taken 15 sacks on the year. I'm betting at least five or six of them have been a situation where he got tackled outside of the hash and or, decide, or decided where he scrambled and decided not to tuck it and get a yard or two and and just ran two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage, which, which is a, a sack in the stat column. And as a quarterback, that should never happen. And it's not just Jalen Milrow. You see guys do this all the time. It's one of the it's one of the things that frustrates me the most. When you know, when you have a, a first or second down and the quarterback is like scrambling towards the boundary and he just runs out of bounds four yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, what are you doing? At worst, throw the ball away. Unless it's third or fourth down, and just throw the ball away, take your chances on the next play. But man, if you're 6'3, 230 pounds. And the fastest guy on the field. I mean, he topped out at, what, 21 miles an hour? What does Tyreek Hill run, like 22, 23, something like that? I mean, this dudes he's got elite speed. If you're one of the fastest guys on the field and one of the biggest, just lower a shoulder and try to run over somebody, try to get a yard, get back to the line of scrimmage, whatever. Um, but, you know, it's – what he did, when he actually throws the ball, like I said, I had no problem with it. I thought that he did a, a fine job of of throwing the ball. You know, like I said, he had the high, one of the highest QBRs in the country and the highest in the SEC this week. But it's the other things that we have to round out his game. If he can do those things, if he can learn how to go one read, two read, I'm running. And then once you get outside the hashes, make a quick decision, either turn the ball upfield, get what you can get, or throw the ball away. If he does that and continues to be turnover free like he was in this in the Mississippi State game, I think you've got yourself a pretty good quarterback. Lester, what did you see from Jalen Milrow in this game? Yeah, I saw um a guy who did 
for the most part, uh, what he was supposed to do, um, he was what ten of twelve for um, one hundred sixty-four yards. That's great, I guess. Um, pretty good. Continue to, you know, move the ball around, get into different playmakers. Not necessarily, not necessarily, getting in on one guy. Um, I I don't have any issues with Milrow. It's just at this point, like you said, I'm I'm going. I am going to continue to look big picture. But when you have things such as like the cowboy, the cowbells mess up the snap, when you're still having problems uh, with the snap itself from your center and things like that, um, those are the little things that that bother me because you know Miss State isn't the only hostile environment that you know Bama's going to play in this year. They got to go, you know, to Kentucky. Um, this one, this weekend, A and M. What are you going to do with the snap count then? You know, you can't wait till half the game to finally come up with something else that'll work. Why are these things still becoming an issue? Especially in a place like, you know, Mississippi State, you know, like I said, it's a small stadium. Those cowbells are doggone loud, man. Why wasn't that prepared for? Why wasn't that the anticipated? Like you said, what what do you say? Get get away from the clap and just go to the, you know, high the, leg, the leg kick. Yeah, you know, I sent y'all the video. It's what yeah. A.J. McCarron did for four years. Uh, you know, Greg McElroy did it. He, we really didn't start clapping until what Bryce, maybe Matt. Yeah. I, can't, I can't really yeah. remember what Matt Jones did, but um, yeah, it might, it might have been. Damn, I can't. Maybe Tua did it too. I can't remember. But you know, the last four or five years, you've kind of gone to the to the clap, and it's never right. something that I've liked on the road. I've always let the silent count. Correct. And everybody just moves on the ball, and you know, just just go with it. Because, like I said, you know, you got to anticipate. You know. Maybe the SEC championship, maybe a playoff game or a bowl game, like where it's going to be 50-50 at least. You know, you have to prepare for these situations that are going to come up. And it's just frustrating because I feel like they haven't done that. So to answer your question, I feel like Milro did fine. He did what he was supposed to. Of course, I would like for him to make better decisions when things are not there, get rid of the ball. But um, it's just continuing little things running this team that, you know, week five, you know, going into week five, I don't, I feel like we should be seeing these things, especially not against a team like Mississippi State. So, yeah. And I mean, if it was a, it was a good week, we need, Alabama needed this game. Jalen Milrow needed this game before he goes in the college station, which we will talk about in a little bit, because that stadium is over 100,000 and it can get loud really quick. I think where this game landed on the schedule, on the road with the Cowbells, I think it was perfect. It was a perfect tune-up game, I guess. And, you know, winning the game 40-17 to 17 on the road in the SEC West is nothing to scoff at. But, you know, I think Alabama just wanted – or the fans and maybe Nick Saban himself wanted just a little bit cleaner, wanted a little bit tighter because he knows what's on the horizon next week and uh, at, at, at Kyle Field. Um I guess next we go following Milro every week. Let's go to Tommy Reese. Jay Law, you just mentioned you don't you don't think he has a bag. Um, we keep saying every week, maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week. It, it's kind of easy to see by now that he's going to do very little to get Jalen Milro involved in the run game. Um, he's really not going to do a ton to help Jalen Milro out. You got a guy who needs to get the ball out fast. Um, he needs to be able to use his legs. And he's not a guy that needs to that's that's gonna dissect the defense pre-snap 
and uh, you know, change hot routes or whatever. He's not, he's not gonna be that guy. So Tommy Reese, it is what it is by now, or do you think there's anything that well tell me what you thought about the Mississippi State game, the you know, play calling wise, and tell me if you think anything's gonna change this week um against Texas AM. Yeah, the things that I don't like about Tommy Reese are almost the same as the things I didn't like with Bill O'Brien. Everything is always based on all 11 guys doing their job perfect every play. And when you were dealing with Sark and Kiffin, it didn't matter what the wide receiver or the right tackle did on this play, on that play, because we threw it left and the ball's in the quarterback for half a second. So, I mean, it's not really this grinded out mentality where our guy is better than your guy, hat on a hat every single play. And I mean, I thought Tommy Reese did okay things in this game. I thought, I think there's some things you just got to tell Milro, like you said, is hey, dude, one read, two read, not there, the middle of the wide open. I'm taking off. Coach that into him. Go make a play. First and 10 throwing it is just as good as first and 10 running it. So whichever one is there, go get it. That's who you are. And I think they got to let Milro let him, I guess, take him off the leash in that sense because we know his limitations. But as far as helping Jalen Milrow, I mean, I'm not sure. I t- Like, I don't know. I can't – I just can't sit here and think that it's Tommy Reese because, dude, go watch Notre Dame for the three years this guy was the offense coordinator. Zone read, after zone read, RPO, after RPO. And so, like, I mean, those types of things were built into his offense, and now they're almost non-existent with the most athletic quarterback that he would have yeah. ever had. Is is it a trust thing? You think is he not? Is it a? I mean, I, I think Milrow's a pretty bright guy. I wouldn't call him a dumbass. I mean, you listen to him talk; he he, he sounds like he's a pretty intelligent guy. What do you? It, it, and we all know that Reese had to have pushed for Buckner to starting in South Florida because that was just a disaster. Um, so. Is that what he wanted? Like, or is that what he is that what Reese is thinking that maybe Milrow is not capable of running that style? I mean, I don't know why they would think that he's not capable. I mean, the RPO is a pretty easy thing to do pull it and throw it to one guy. I mean, after that, the play's pretty much blown up, anyways. After that, it's either give it or pull it and throw it. And now the zone read is. I mean, I watched like 20 – I didn't – I mean, obviously there, nobody, none of us went to the game last week, so I watched a lot of college football. How many times are they faking a give to the running back, but it's still a design QB run? You got both guards going the same way, and all you're doing is faking to the running back to get a linebacker out of position. So I just think there's a lot of things you could do. I mean, I, in this game, I would have given Tommy Reese probably a – B minus. They scored no touchdowns in the second half. Five field goals in the game. Defense kind of put this game in a place where I told y'all it would be. If this defense gives this Alabama offense a couple points in good field position and they convert on those and they feel like a game is over early or they can control the clock, this isn't going to be Sark or Kiffin where they keep trying to score to get to 50 because they're not as confident with the D.C. that those O.C.'s had. Nick Saban is very confident with a 31 to 10 lead at halftime that this game is over with this defense. So I just think it looks different. It's going to be more frustrating, but for me, a B minus for Tommy Reese probably sits about right because I like some of the things he did. I like some of the things he didn't do. And some of that is still execution based. And as the offensive coordinator, he's got to fall on the, the, the sword in some of those things as well. 
I give it a C plus at best. And here's my reasoning. It's easy to run on Mississippi State. Um, they also have one of the worst pass defense in the conference as well. Uh, next week, if you do the same stuff where we don't use quarterback in the run game, you will run for a yard and a half or two yards of carry against Texas A&M. These guys, it's the best defensive line that money can buy. And literally, and I mean, you've seen it over the last two years. They've done nothing but load up on the front seven. You thought Texas was good up front? A- A&M is better. Back-to-back games against uh, Arkansas and Auburn where Texas A&M had 15 tackles for loss. Let that sink in. Not total over two games. Per game, each game, they had 15 tackles for loss. Guys, did Alabama had 15 all of last season? This that that's that is an insane stat. And Alabama's rolling in there with an offensive line who hadn't been great. <laughs> they were good against Mississippi State, sure. But if you want to get all gassed up about this offensive line performing well against the worst team in the SEC not named Vanderbilt, then go ahead. Because I, I think another thing is coming. And so Tommy Reese, if he does this shit where he just gets in the shotgun and runs the ball right up the middle, there's going to be nothing there. That's going to be a stone wall come Saturday. So I hate his run game, and, and I'm going to stay on his ass until he decides to use his Ferrari at quarterback. The fastest guy on the field is not even involved in the game plan week in and week out. He has to do shit on his own in the passing game in order to make, you know, our, our biggest run plays come from the quarterback in the passing game. Why is that? Because he can fly. So I just, it still baffles me every week. And I don't want to beat a dead horse. I guess I'm kind of doing it anyway. But man, it, it's just frustrating, frustrating, frustrating to, to continue to see the same thing and knowing what you're about to play. Guys, look. Mississippi State, this is total yards given up by their defense this year against Power 5 opponents. Arizona got 431 yards. LSU, 530. South Carolina, 432. Alabama, 357. So, like J-Law said, they kind of knew the game was over early. I mean, Ty Simpson was in there, and it was like a 20-point lead or something like that. Alabama had 80 fewer total yards than the other three Power 5 opponents versus Mississippi State. That's a problem. And Alabama, you would think talent-wise, has more offensive talent than Arizona, LSU, and South Carolina. But no, those offenses are more creative. They're more dynamic than Alabama's because of the offensive coordinator. He's choosing for it to be like this, and I think it's going to be a real, real problem. I've, I've said before, you know, Milrow is going to cost you three or four games this year. It is what it is. He's going to turn the ball over. But I think just the same, Tommy Reese, he's going to cost you games as well because he refuses to use the talent that he has. Lester, I kind of kind of did a little Lester rant there. Um, I didn't really mean to. I apologize for that. But Lester, I know you're not a big Tommy Reese fan either. Tell me how you thought he performed against Mississippi State. I, I said to y'all multiple times during the game, I'm like, you cannot continue to hide Jalen Milrow. So Alabama ran, what, about 56 plays? And Milrow threw for 12 of them, I believe. You can't hide the guy, especially when a guy who needs development, who needs to continue to pass the ball, who needs to continue to build up that trust within his wide receivers, who needs to see the ball, be completed, and ran for yards after a catch. 
that's what needs to continue to happen. But this game, typical Saban, typical Tommy Reese. Road Saban. Yeah, Road Road Saban. There you go. Our our defense is up. Let's go um, run the ball, establish the run. Let's just get up on them and choke them out to end the game, and let's go home. That is complete garbage, and I hate it. And I will continue to hate it because Milrow needs the reps. He needs the development. The entire team does. Why did Caden Proctor get pulled again this past week? They were rotating. That was a rotation there with Elijah Pritchett. Week four, week yeah. five, we are rotating. You don't know who your damn left tackle tackles. Is. Tackles, bro. <laughs> and and it it should not be happening this late. This is about the time of the year your offensive line is supposed to jail, continue to come get, continue to you know come together, be in rhythm, in motion with. But dude, we're rotating tackles. And Texas A&M is coming up. Like you said, how great their defensive line is. I think it's going to be ugly. I have no faith in in Tommy Reese because it's, it's week five. I mean, simple stuff. How hard is it to put in a simple option? We saw Buckner run an RPO to shit against South Florida, and we haven't seen it since. So we know it's in the playbook somewhere. But see, the thing is, you lost to Texas, and... You got that on your record, and now you got Texas A&M coming up. I don't want to see a bunch of new shit ran this week. Screw it. Keep it in your back pocket. It don't matter no more, bro. Why are you just not starting to run this stuff now? Why are you wanting to put it in the game now? I Okay, if you do that practice, fine. But there's something about game execution, seeing it on film against another opponent who probably isn't going to see it coming, how you can prepare to institute that better going forward. So I don't want to see speed options this week. I don't want to see any kind of offensive creative innovation because it, it ain't happening. I'm not getting my hopes up for it at all. As far as my grade for Tom Maurice, he gets a C, C minus in my book because he he is not putting this offense in a place to win a game if they have to. Y'all, the defense is not going to hold up all year long. It's not. As good as they are, somebody's going to be able to come out and score on Alabama. We've seen it before with Texas. Granted, we gave them, you know, 14 points or whatever, but somebody is going to come out and truly test this defense, and the offense will not be prepared to hold up their end of the bargain. Guys, I know everybody listening right now is like, man, this is a negative-ass group. And here's – it's – J-Law has explained this before. I've explained it. You're not going to find three Bama fans that are bigger than us. I mean, dude, we we bleed crimson and white. We all three had degrees from the University of Alabama. I mean, it's – I mean, you're, it's I, – I can't explain to you how much we love the Tide. But at the same time, the reason the negativity is coming out is because – we all know the sport of football. And you can listen to 15 other podcasts this week, and they're going to tell you Alabama's back. Alabama's so great. Um, Jace McClellan's a dog. Offensive line is fixed. Jalen Milrow, the highest quarterback in the or the highest QBR in the country. Um, you know, all this stuff. And, and that's great for them, you know. But we have to bring that, realis- that realism into view. And it's because we're trying to forecast – 
what's going to happen whenever Alabama does play a tough opponent because I think Alabama took steps forward this week as far as the quarterback, as far as the offensive line goes, and defense. Um, They were already playing elite football, and I still think they got better this week. We'll talk about them in a minute. But we have to let you guys know this. So if Alabama does get beat by Texas A&M, which pretty likely it can happen, and if you really if you really break down and you know the sport of football and you look at what you're seeing and you look at what everybody else does relative to Alabama offensively and play con, especially is what I'm talking about, you can see that there is a huge, huge difference in, in how Alabama runs their offense compared to everybody else. And that's what's so frustrating to us is because we just went through two years of Bill O'Brien where it was constantly every single week, you got to do something. You got to do something. Something's got to change. You got Bryce Young. You've got to do something creative on offense, and it never happened. And then Bill O'Brien goes to the NFL, and we're like, finally, let's get a guy in here that can use Milrow, that can use Simpson, whoever's going to start, and let's crank this shit up. And then he goes and gets Tommy freaking Reese, a preteen from Notre Dame who's never coached in the SEC. That's where our frustration comes in because we can see it happening, and we do not want to be the guys that come on here next week and go, I told you so. You know, I mean, you called it. You know, we don't want to be that guy. We want to be that guy that goes, hell yeah, we were wrong. We went in there and beat A&M's ass. Reese is very creative. Milrow had 15 rushes for 98 yards. Two t- you know, I would love to be able to come in here and say that. But – we're trying to bring a realistic point of view and, you know, we're trying to forecast what's going to happen because we can see holes in this Alabama offense. And just because you beat somebody 40 to 17, doesn't mean that you scored, you know, five, five touchdowns and you racked up 500 yards of offense. So that's what we're trying to break down for you guys. Um, Let's get into the positives. So Milro did play turnover free football and Milro did play turnover free football in his first road start. Um, defense is elite. Um, State did some things in the run game that they need to clean up. But, uh, you know, you held Mississippi State to under 300 total yards. Will Rogers did get his – he did get his first uh, his first passing touchdown of his career against Alabama, but it came at the price of three interceptions. Um, who was it, J-Law? Was it uh, Brassel? G- was it – did Jihad get one? And then yeah, Caleb? G- yeah, he got one. Oh yeah, those three. That's what the touchdown though. Yeah, Brazel had the touchdown. Yeah, what a great play. Um, talk about this defense. Start with the front seven. Deontay Lawson out this week. Still questionable for Texas A&M. Really haven't heard much on him yet. We'll know more by um, Thursday. Usually it's the day whenever. If you don't practice Thursday, you can't go. So I look for him to play. Um, but if he doesn't, you don't want to say there's a ton of drop off. Or there, there's not any drop ball because there is some because Deontay Lawson, I think, I think is an All American type linebacker. But uh, JL, tell me how you, how you, how you, uh, tell me what you thought of of Jihad Campbell, Kendra Blatshire filling in for Deontay on Saturday. Yeah, I thought those guys looked great. I mean, Campbell, was a lot of tackles in that game. Felt like he was all over the place. You know, but I just think about this defense and this offense. I thought this week they actually played complimentary football. And so it's like we never got that from Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding. It was either one of them had a good game and the other had a bad game for two years. 
So just looking at those two teams, man, is looking at the offense and defense, man. They play complimentary football, even without your without your probably your best overall tackler, your best overall defender in Deontay Lawson. I thought the interior defensive line still played pretty well. I know Alabama got outflanked a few times because Mississippi State ran on obvious passing downs, and we essentially ran our defensive line out of the play on some defensive play calls. But, I mean, and those are the types of things you got to get ready for this week too, right? I mean, there's going to be some times where A&M does something that they don't do to be able to throw you off, and we all know that's coming. But how about back-to-back weeks, even without – your primary signal caller on defense this week and half of last week. Nobody running wide open on this defense. Not a lot of missed tackles. No busted assignments. I think that's that's what frustrated us the most about the Pete Golden era. Is like how many busted assignments can you have? How many guys? How many times in a game can you afford to have somebody running wide open at A and M two years ago? Seven or eight times. Running wide open up and down the field. And I know they scored three or four touchdowns on those that year and the year they beat us last year against Tennessee. But that's not happening to this defense this year. So, man, I was super proud of the uh, the defense. Played very well. Turning the ball over. And that's why I have faith. I, I have some confidence going into Kyle Phillips. Just this defense finds a way to get stops. They don't give up a lot of big-time drives. They force turnovers. They had seven picks last year. They already have seven picks this year. Um, so, like, I, the short field is something that they're going to need with Jalen Milrow being the quarterback. And I think all that kind of gives me confidence going into this game. But, you know, I, I, I like it. Kevin's still by far the uh, the better coordinator hire of the two, doing a really good job. And I've been overall pleased with this unit Yeah, um, Lester, kind of, kind of back in that turnovers have been huge. Uh, what we have almost as many interceptions this year as we had all of last year uh, through five games, not even halfway through the season. So turnovers have been big. I I forgot what it was like to score a non-offensive touchdown. I kind of had to like pause the game and I was like, hang on, what just happened? Like, are you allowed to score on defense still? Because we 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 haven't seen that in years. Seems like you know, twenty sixteen seemed like it was happening twice a game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's finally it's nice to get a non offensive touchdown. Talk about Caleb Downs, Lester. I mean, this he got picked on a couple of times against Texas. Sark got those matchups, which we talked about. We told you it was going to happen. Sark was going to get the matchups. Caleb Downs bit on a underneath route, and he let couple of touchdowns go over his head. Since then, though, the guy has just been locked down. One of the best safeties in the country, regardless of age, and by far the best freshman DB in the country. Talk about what you've seen from Caleb Downs, man. Yeah, that guy is um, – he's truly elite. He's going to be a three-and-done guy. And uh, when those three are done, he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL. Um, one thing that I love about him is – you know, this week he was second on the team in uh, total tackles. You know, usually you don't want to see your your safety on any level of football leading your team in tackles because that means your front seven hasn't been that good. But I don't think it's that way with Downs because you know why? Caleb Downs will go in, stick his nose in the box, and hit somebody. Okay, and I love that about him. The guy, the kid is clearly aggressive. Clearly a solid tackler, plays with great fundamentals, and he's a sponge picking up on 
you know, Kevin Steele, Nick Saban, T. Ross, all those guys teaching, you're not going to play as a freshman at Alabama if you're not on top of it. And clearly, you know, Saban, Steele, and all those, they, they trust him. On top of his natural God-given abilities, it's telling me that he's coachable. You know, you're able to teach the guy. He's fairly smart. He's smart. He can learn, you know, what's being thrown at him. So, you know, this is just the beginning for him um, towards the end of the season. You know, that kid, he won't be a freshman anymore. He'll be, you know, you can probably classify him as a, an, an elite sophomore already during his freshman year. So I, I love the guy. Um, hopefully he continues to, um, you know, continue to ball out, you know, and get his nose dirty. Let's stay on the defensive side of the ball as we move into the Texas A&M matchup. Like we said earlier, completely different animal this week. Uh, as far as stadiums go, with the Kyle Field holding over or whatever, 105-plus thousand, and uh, and also the team on the field. Going to be far different from, Miss- from Mississippi State. A lot of people didn't know what they were going to get from this Texas A&M team. You know, Bobby Petrino taking over play calling duties. I will be shocked if Jimbo is not heavily involved in this game plan simply because of these – I don't I guess you could say exotic and crazy motions. I think they're just normal motions. I think it's just the fact that they don't do them all year until they play Alabama. This is something that Jimbo lives for. This is the game that he wants. Uh this is the game that gets you paid and and he, and he knows that. And you know, 2 years ago, Alabama 2021 gets beat 41 to 38 over there Alabama outgained A&M in that game, but um just Getting guys free with the motions that aren't on film. It's I had a you know Landon Beeman. Um, he actually has the flu. He was going to join us uh, tonight as, as our guest. Maybe we'll get y'all a guest next week. But he had a good point. He said maybe he thinks that the motions were more because of what Golding was trying to do on defense and less of what Saban was doing. So it's going to be interesting. He, he's he's interested to see how our defense responds this year to the motions. If we can shut that down and shut this offense down, then we really know, hey, you know, it's more Kevin Steele and what he's bringing in rather than a Nick Saban system type defense. But um, that remains to be seen. You know, having said that, J-Law, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that whatever Jimbo throws at Nick Saban and Kevin Steele, do you think it's going to be similar to what we've seen the last couple of years? Because Jimbo has never faced an Alabama defense that wasn't run by Pete Golding. So his first year facing Kevin Steele, Kevin Steele has put together back-to-back tremendous defensive game plans. How do you think he fares over in College Station this week? Yeah, you know, I thought I thought even last year, man, like our defense really wasn't that bad in the game. I just know Jimbo did some things in some key spots off of yeah, you know, I, our I defense. I don't, having... I don't think they were that bad last year. I think the team was so young. You know, Stewart's a freshman, Wiegman was a freshman, yeah. you know, starting on the road. I think that was tough. But now that they're more seasoned, and I know Max Johnson, a guy who has three or four years under his belt um uh, of experience. So um, but yeah, those guys are a year older, so that's that's probably what had a, a lot to do with that last year. Yeah, and but I, just, I thought that, you know, they reacted to it better last year than in the year before. And going into this game this year, Alabama's defense is just not – it doesn't feel like they're having to put guys in positions 
and move guys around to try to cover matchups. They feel comfortable with whoever they have on what side of the field. They feel comfortable at safety. I mean, I think that one of the biggest keys this year is Malachi Moore, his versatility. Like, if Alabama can be in position in this game, which, I mean, that's what the motions are all about. That's what the running back on the same side of the formation of the tight end is all about, and to get your defense to to overthink, get them out of position, show them looks that they're not used to seeing, and, you know, hoping that they'll, they'll be out of position. And, dude, heck, hats off to Jimbo two years ago. He had to beat Alabama. If he didn't beat Alabama that year, his butt would be on the line, especially after last year. I mean, they went, what, seven and five, six and six, whatever they did last year. So if he doesn't beat Alabama two years ago, I mean, Jimbo Fisher may not even have a job left. Now, he'd get all his money, but he may not be the head coach at Texas A&M. So going into this year, I think it's a little bit different. It's what I said to y'all, I think, on one of the preseason pods. Like, for the last two years, Jimbo Fisher has gone into the Alabama game thinking – with multiple weeks ahead of that saying, oh, well, I'm pretty much out of it. Now I got to focus on Alabama and I can win this game. As opposed to this year, like, dude, if they lose last week, they could be out the week before. I know the Auburn game was tough. They've already dropped the game to Miami. So they haven't really just been solely focused on knocking off Alabama. I, I like Alabama. You know, they're with Tresman Marshall, similar to Max Johnson, right? If Deontay Lawson can't go, Okay, just like Connor Weidman can't go for Texas A&M, Tresman Marshall's got a lot of experience in this league, a lot of starts in this league. He's played a lot of football. He can come in, be our signal caller on defense. And although defense is a reactionary, um, is the reactionary side of the ball, man, I I think they'll be prepared in this. And I think a lot of the stuff that Kevin Steele wants to do is going to be blitzing. It's going to be a lot of man-to-man. It's going to say, if you're better than us, beat on this play. But we're not going to lose this game because our defense is going to have to overthink and change everything we do based off of the way that you line up every single play. So that's what I'm most excited about. I thought you saw that against Ole Miss, too. Kiffin tried to do a few things. But, hey, we sat back in man and and – they weren't better than us. So you're going to have a battle with some wheels here. A&M's got some really good players on the offensive side of the ball as well as defense. But I think for this defense in this game, man, if they like if they like their guys in this game, as much as I think Kevin Steele and Nick Saban do, you'll see a lot of man, a lot of blitzes. You're not going to let Max Johnson sit back there and, and beat you, which I think you know is probably the way to go. Two years ago, we just sat back there and let them pick us apart. Last year, kind of the same thing with with Pete Golding. So if you come back, get in, play a lot of man, force them to beat you. I do like Alabama's defense versus their offense. If our offense doesn't give them the ball in the short field, do you remember who beat us uh, two years ago? The quarterback. Who was that? Uh, Haynes King. No. It was Mac, right? Mac Johnson. No, Max Johnson was at LSU. Who's the LSU man? Who was it? Zach Calzada. Zach Calzada. Oh, wow. Who's at where the heck he's at he now? He was shit. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, playing on the road. And, Jayla, that's all, that's all we've wanted. We've wanted that for years. That's all we've asked for. Play man. We've recruited the best players in the country. We're coming after your ass. If you're going to beat us, you've got to get rid of the ball in less than two and a half seconds, and your guys have to be better than my guys. Now, there's a bunch of pass interference penalties happening, and you give a a bunch of big plays, and okay. But I thought that the game plan against Texas was a little soft, 
And it seems like ever since then, Kevin Steele was like, okay, screw it. If, you know, I tried sitting back, I tried bringing four or five, and we couldn't get to the quarterback, and we still gave up big plays. Even though I'm dropping six, seven guys in the coverage, they're still getting behind us. Uh, so, screw it. I'm just going to bring six or seven guys, drop four or five in the coverage, and if I give up a big play, at least I have an excuse. You know, hey, they they beat the blitz. You know, it is what it is. So, and I, and I love that mindset. That's what he did at Auburn. He brought gas like I've never seen before, especially in big games. You know, I mean, 2019 Iron Bowl, I brought that up. He put pressure on Matt Jones like I'd never seen before. That some bitch should have been in a hospital after that game. And it ended up winning the game. You know, pressure caused two pick sixes, and that's what won the game for for Auburn. But, yeah, three, three games in a row where Kevin Steele – just a lot more gre- aggressive defensively. Lester, same, do, you, do you agree with what J-Law said? If, if, is that what you expect to see this game, or do you expect just another year of, of those motions get the save in, in, in his defense? I think I I, I think that the motions are still going to be a, a part of the game, especially with Max Johnson. Um, oh, ain't no know, doubt kinda, they are. But I'm, I'm just talking yeah. about, like, defensively, how do, how do you think about defends them? Do you think it's going to be the same, the same stuff we've seen the last two years where every now and then you got a guy wide ass open uh with no because it was a, a defensive bus, or do you think Alabama can be more sound on the defensive side of the football on the road? Yeah, I I definitely think they'll be um they should be more sound. Hey, just don't let that stuff fool you. Play your guy straight up and let's go get Max Johnson. First of all, let's do that. Let's put pressure on a guy who experienced, yeah, but he's not texting him starting quarterback, or he wasn't for a reason until this injury came about. So let's put pressure on the quarterback early and often and get after those boys. Yeah, I'm down with that. And, you know, DBs just go make plays. They have, they have solid receivers and I Smith, you know, already trash talking. Um, this, the thing that, is, yeah. Huh? I, I can be okay with them giving up a play here and there. Sure. If they are hitting the quarterback, hit yeah. him. Yeah. Hit him. That that can be just as important as getting sacked sometimes. You might get to that third string. If you get to the third string, it's definitely yeah. over with. But uh it's over with. Yeah, Alabama favored by minus two and a half right now. Favored by two and a half on the road. Kyle Field. Um, J Law, do you think Bama covers here? Do you think the Anaya Smith trash talking? We've been they've been trash talked before and actually lost you know, in the last couple of years. So do you think this means anything to Saban? Do you think he uses this as motivation? Saban claims that he doesn't use this as motivation, but you had a loss here two years ago. You got guys trashing your head coach, bashing, saying your team's basically not as good as it was six, seven years ago, which is probably true. But nevertheless, this guy's saying it to the media. It's national news. Do you think this adds some some motivation for Alabama? Do you think they cover the two and a half? Uh, your first first part of the question, yeah, I do think it adds some motivation. If you're Terry on Arnold, Kool Aid, even some of these guys, veterans on the offensive line who aren't very good, JC Latham. I mean, dude, this guy potentially said what we have all what we've been saying is these dudes aren't nothing compared to Reggie Ragland and all these other guys. So, time time to uh, you know put your money where your mouth is on that. Now A and M in this game. Man, it's just hard for me to tell. They got a backup quarterback. We know that quarterbacks get hot against Bama. Um, and if you don't pick Bama to cover, 
you're what essentially picking us to lose. It's a two and a half point line. So this game's played with field goals and touchdowns. Not, I mean, so if you don't pick Bama to cover, you're almost picking them to lose. I like Bama to win. So to me, that would be essentially, you know, three or more. I like Alabama to win. I think it could be a really close game. Listen, I would not be surprised if this Bama defense comes out and gives up 13 in this game. I mean, that's how um, how good I think they are. Listen, A&M scored a lot of points on Arkansas after Arkansas dropped two games in a row, one at home to BYU, the other one to um, – was they lost to LSU the next week. I mean, so this, this Arkansas team, the Arkansas game to me, like, I looked at it last week. I was like, oh, man, these guys are blowing them out. But I think this Arkansas defense just gives up tons of points. So, I mean, I, I look at a and It's hard to really, like, look at them and make anything of them. They beat Auburn. Yeah. They beat Arkansas. They lost to Miami. They got beat bad by Miami. Now, although that game's on the road. I like So, yeah, I guess long, long, long answer. Alabama, I like them to cover. I like Alabama by a field goal in this game. Not anymore. Um, but yeah, it was, I could see this one being a 24, 21, 27, 24 type ball game. I think there's a reason why Arkansas and, and Miami scored so many points on Texas A&M. I think they have a, a quarterback who they use well in their system and a quarterback that is a, a, a big threat throwing the ball and can, can dissect defenses pre-snap, uh, very experienced, you know, Tyler Van Dyke's fourth, fifth-year guy. K.J. Jefferson's the seventh or eighth-year guy, seems like. Um, Milrow's not that guy. Second road start, what, fifth start overall? I mean, this guy is incredibly inexperienced. Even though he's been there three years, he's incredibly inexperienced, and he's going to – he's going into an atmosphere that he's never seen before. Um, and I, I do think he progressed – last week i'll say that again but i just until they show me that they can go on the road and beat a big time opponent because the old miss one was great offense still let me score 24 points like i think texas a&m can get to the 20 point mark i think they're going to do enough offensively i think they have enough playmakers on the outside where they, they're going to get pass interference calls. Um, you know, you're going to have guys go up and over DBs to make catches. These are not average receivers. These are elite receivers. Evan Stewart is a surefire first-round draft pick, probably the first receiver taken off the board in next year's NFL draft because um, he's only a sophomore. So, I, I just – until they go out and they show me that the Tommy Reese system works against a good defensive line because – I don't, I don't I don't see it happening. I just don't see how the way Alabama wants to run the ball, the way they run to control the clock, the offense that they ran against Mississippi State, that's just not going to fly against a defensive line as solid as Texas A&M's. So I just – I don't think it's a blowout. I'm going to say maybe 21, 20 to 17 A&M. I just don't see how Alabama can consistently get into the red zone. I know Will Reichert is a threat. If Alabama wins, he's going to have to hit a couple of 50-plus yard field goals. He's going to have to hit some 51, 53-yarders. I just – I don't see – Alabama's just outnumbered in the trenches or outmanned in the trenches. And uh, I just think this is a lot like the Texas matchup, if you really dissect it. Minus Quinn Ewers, um, I think that, you know, you have elite receivers. You have a good – a guy who's – who's been working against you all offseason. 
J-Law thinks it's not the case. He thinks that uh, that Jimbo was preparing for Miami and Arkansas. I think the Joker's been preparing for Alabama since June or May. And uh, so, yeah, I think Jimbo's going to have something to get enough. You know, I'm not saying he's going to go off and score 30, 40 points, but I do think he, he gets to the 20, 21-point mark. And just offensively, I don't think Alabama has enough um, creativeness to to – to get the ball inside the 30 yard line in order to, uh, to put up enough points to, to win this game. Lester, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with what both of you guys said. Um, I, for some reason, I want to give Bama 30 points. I don't know why, but I, I I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say that, um, it's going to be a 24, 20 Bama kind of game. Um, I just, I I think that that defense line is so elite for Texas A&M that it, problems are going to be caused. They're going to wreak a lot of havoc. But I feel like there's going to be one or two, you know, maybe a non-offensive touchdown. Um, maybe Bama gets a big play here and there. But I think this game's going to be a struggle offensively, and I hate to say that. But and- I believe it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, but you still think we win. Let me ask you that. And this is kind of my reasoning, Lester. It's I hear a lot of people say, you know, defense is great, defense is great. But like we we we've talked about it. I said it and I heard you say it actually tonight. The defense is not always going to be there. I mean, this is 2023. These offenses are so hard to stop. Even right. Mississippi State busted a bunch of what 10, 15 yard runs on this Alabama defense. Um, stuff that would have never happened 10 years ago, whenever everything was kind of played in a phone booth. And uh, so now these offenses are so side to side. Jimbo's he's going to have stuff for saving. It's hard. It's not guaranteed that this defense is going to give up 10, 13 points a game. Just because they do right. it a couple of weeks in a row, you know, they're always due for a bad one. And you can't blame them. I mean, you can get frustrated. But if you really understand this, the spread offenses and how they work and how hard it is to play in space, um, then you really can't blame the defense whenever they do give up you know, 25, 30, 40 points. But what's more likely to you, Lester? Because the way I look at it, it's more likely for me that Milrow has turnovers. Um, that It's more likely that Milrow turns the ball over than our defense creates turnovers. Does that make sense? What do you yes, think is more likely in this game? And that's kind, of my, my, that's kind of my thought process. Whenever I was thinking about if we can cover the spread, who wins the game, I'm like, I just, you know, Milrow turned it over three times against him last year. Um, he's already got three, four picks this season. It's just right. hard to it's hard to imagine him going on the road and playing as clean as he did against Mississippi State. Right. Now think about this. The reason why I lean that Bama could put up 30 is because Texas AM would force them to put up 30. You know, as far as you know, going back to those turnovers, you know, what if you know, Saban, get, Saban gives a and the ball first. So A&M elects to get, get the ball first. You know, you go up 7-0, first drive, you know. Okay, what if Bama throws out a dud? You know, their first drive, Texas A&M gets the ball back and puts up three. So now it's, what, 10-0 in the first quarter? And now what are you going to have to do? Put the ball in Milrow's hands. And we've seen that he'll give it up, you know, a time or two here and there. So. Uh, it's very important that Bama moves the ball, defense plays soundly, and they 
maintain or lead AM as much as possible because you cannot let AM get a lead simply because this offense just can't do it. They can't fight back and they can't go back and forth, you know, like we wish that they could. So um yeah, it's very it's way more likely that Miro throws a turnover than Bama takes one. And another thing I'm thinking if the run game is not there and yes, you're yes. forced with a lot of third and sevens, third and eights, because you're 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 running for one yard on first down, two yards on second down, bam, you're third and seven you know, and you're forced to pass. Can Milro get that done? That's something that he didn't have to do against Mississippi State because we were getting four and a half, five, six yards carry. And so that's whenever I kind of break it down in my head, that's kind of I see Alabama in a lot of third and long situations. And I, I see that being very bad for Alabama, even though I, I don't yep. think that there's anybody on Texas A&M's defense that can even catch Milrow. I just – you still don't trust him in those long third-down situations on the road in that kind of environment. So, it like, hey, once again, Lester, what, scary hours? Scary as hell, man. Scary hours. See, the thing scary is, hours. he can, he uh, can do that, it. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. He can do it. He sure. If he, he do it dude, if he has time, no. he can do it. Because Correct. I said this last week, Tommy Reese's – the only good thing about his offense is his route concepts are very good. Um, when Milrow has time to get the ball out, whenever he does throw the ball, most of the time a guy is wide open. He's not having to fit it into a bunch of tight windows. So if he can get time, but that's going to be a hell of a struggle when you got a struggling offensive line and – like I said earlier, the best defensive line money can buy. It is what it is. Correct. But uh, bet of the week. Um, J Law had to hop off. I'm sure his his daughter. You know, like I mentioned earlier, she's she's running like a, a fever, like 104. So it's a pretty scary situation. Um, so he had to hop off before our bet of the week. I'm sure he was going to go Penn State anyway because they just been a, a monster for him this year. Um, Lester, I'm going to go. I don't know. I've been back and forth on this game. I think I'm going to go LSU minus six and a half. It's, it's at Missouri, and I don't like the fact that Missouri has one of the best passing offenses in the SEC, and LSU has one of the worst passing defenses. But I think I want to say that Eli Drinkwitz isn't quite as creative as Lane Kiffin is offensively. That's kind of my thought process here. It's do or die for LSU. If you don't win out, you don't go to Atlanta. Um, by the way, I think the West is going to be decided this weekend in, in College Station. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. I don't see LSU playing or coming into uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium and winning, and I don't see Alabama losing to Tennessee with the way Joe Milton plays either. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this decide, determines the West um, this weekend. So uh, another implication going on with that game. But LSU, minus six and a half at Missouri. I, I just – LSU, they got to go, man. They got to do everything they can to win this game, and, and I think they win by 10. Yeah, I'm glad somebody picked this game because I found that game pretty interesting, but I picked Missouri to uh to Ooh. beat. Yeah, I picked Missouri to cover and to beat LSU. Oh, um, but my, my, my game of the week is going to be um Red River rivalry. Let's go out to the Cotton Bowl in Texas. There we got. And uh, I am going to take Oklahoma plus six and a half. I don't oh, know if Oklahoma will pick. win. Huh? Why do I love that pick? I mean, Texas, they've done nothing yeah. wrong all year. They got one of the toughest wins in the country. You know, you go on the yeah. road, you beat Alabama week two. Man, I I just – I don't know. I love what Oklahoma's doing right now. Right. 
quietly too. What they're doing quietly. They're beating the hell out of people. Now their strength yeah. of schedule isn't that of Texas, but right. I mean, Brent Venable, you have a here's what's scary. This is what's scary about Oklahoma. Because you remember Jeff Levy, who is that old miss, he's now their offensive coordinator. So you have a defensive minded coach with a high powered offense. Yes. This is what every Alabama fan has dreamed of. If yep. Nick Saban was to hire Jeff Levy, you would be getting the scores of what Oklahoma's doing, except for lower opposing team scores. Like instead of giving up 20, you give up 10. Um, Brent Venables, he's bringing that defensive mindset slowly in Oklahoma. I still don't think he has the horses to play SEC type defense or even the the type defense that he was playing at a, or in the ACC at Clemson. Um, but he's a defensive minded coach with an offensive coordinator that's got no limitations, no restrictions, and he is flying all over the place. So that's scary, man. Um, and that's I guarantee he won't run straight into that Texas defensive line. He won't run the ball at the middle. I mean, oh, they'll, do, they'll do everything they can to get those guys running side to side screens, quarterback draws, quarterback scrambles, do whatever, get those big guys moving, get them tired. But yeah, dude, I right. love that pick. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty confident of that one because you know Texas, the defense is still, you know, outside the defensive line, you know, it's still a Big Twelve defense. <laughs> I said that when Bama played them, and I'm saying it now, it's still a Big Twelve defense. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, another game for a start to you know prove himself. Um, you know, this is it. You know, a big game for Texas. They want to keep those playoff hopes alive. So. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's final, it. The final Red River shootout. Um, so before they move on to the uh, to the SEC, are they going to continue that when they move to the SEC? That's a great question, man. They should. I think they should. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think everybody else kind of get pissed off at that. Well, I mean, I guess Georgia and Florida do it, so it doesn't right make a difference. I mean, Alabama and Auburn played in Legion Field until like. 1990 or something like that but uh anyway yeah we'll see but all right man guys we appreciate y'all stopping in listening to us roll tide um you know big game this week guys i mean big game like i said i think this could determine the west because i don't see either team uh getting beat after this one so i think either i think a and m's gonna end up 10 and 2 9 and 3 at worst and if they lose in Alabama, you know, you could be ten and two, nine and three at worst if you uh if you drop this one. I think the winner wins the West eventually. So uh till next week, hopefully it's good news. Episode ninety two. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll see y'all. <laughs>